The following is a Kingfisher Media production. How much do we really know about strangers? Is it fair to assume that they're different from us or should we be searching for things that we can relate to? We shouldn't look so hard at the things we don't understand or agree with. We should look at the things that make us think, this is what I like about you. Today's guest is Crystal Gregory. Aside from her name and the name of her company, I don't really know anything at all about her, which I think is awesome. So. I'm not going to try butchering an introduction on somebody who's a total stranger to me. I'll let Crystal maybe tell you a little bit about herself, and then we can jump into the conversation. Crystal, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for the warm welcome, AC. Um, yeah, great to connect with you. I'm Crystal. I have a coaching company called CEG Coaching, and I'm based outside of Cardiff in Wales. And as you can tell from my accent, I'm not Welsh, but I come from um, the States, and I've studied in Canada, and I've worked abroad as well. You've been all over the place then. Yeah, I guess I have. No, I, the, the, the first thing that grabbed me when we said hello this morning was your accent or lack thereof, because you don't sound quite like you're from the British Isles. I mean, you mentioned that you're American, but you don't actually sound American either, nor do you sound Canadian, where you said you spent some time there. Um, do, do you notice that your accent isn't? the accent maybe you grew up with? I, I do. And actually, I saw my parents over Christmas recently, and we we're saying the same thing just because um, I've lived abroad for a long time. So I've worked, I guess my English has changed more than what I think. Um, yeah. Are there any words when you hear yourself saying them, you're like, wow, holy crap, like that does not sound like me? Um, I think when I try to butcher the Welsh words of where I live, but I'm not very good at <laughs> pronouncing Welsh because it's a it's a beautiful language, but the pronunciation is really difficult. Yeah, I'm not super familiar except with TV and movies, but is that, a, a, or was that, I guess, a challenge for you when you first got to Wales? Um, <laughs> I did try when I first came to Wales to learn Welsh, and it was one of the hardest things, um, hardest languages that I have tried to learn. I think just because it has a lot of because it's Celtic in origin, so it just has a, the vowels and the combinations of things are a lot harder. So, but I do um, find myself that I've picked up a lot of Britishisms along the way. I guess mm -hmm. if you can, um, like I find myself using the word boot and some other stuff more often than what I think. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. No, I, I lived overseas uh, years ago, and I mean, I was quite young at the time i was just barely 14 years old when our when our family moved to south america one of the things i remember really being challenging was just not just trying to fit into a totally new environment but also not knowing the language it's really hard to break down some of those social barriers like how how did you address these things ah that's a great question i i guess um at least in the UK, because we share a common language, but we're divided by it as well. Um, I just um, connected with people because at the same, as you mentioned in the introduction, people are the same, um, fundamentally the same. We have different values and different cultures and different ways of living, but underneath that we were human. And so I guess it's more connecting with that human spirit and that human community, which is really beautiful, no matter where yeah. you are in the world. 
So I, I know a lot of times people focus on the surprising differences when they find themselves in a new environment. Were there any surprising similarities to you? Um, yeah, actually, I think for me, it was the values of democracy that we have, um, or <laughs> I, I haven't lived in the States for a long time, so I'm not going to make any political comments, but um, <laughs> just in terms of like the shared values of community and togetherness and that comes from living in a democracy or social democracy that really surprised me and the other thing was also oddly enough a love of um, football and a lot of the communities where I've lived um, with soccer but also basketball my town here just spent a lot of money redoing the park in town and they put in basketball courts which surprised me so that actually is surprising yeah. Now I, I, I noticed you, you you use both the words football and soccer. When you say football, I'm assuming you're talking about real football, not American football. Yeah, I'm talking about real football. So okay, good. Yeah. <laughs> We're on the same page then. Good stuff. I don't know. I, I feel a lot of times when I have these conversations for this show, it's it's like first date questions almost. There's a little bit of awkwardness at the beginning. Okay. I'm, no I'm hoping that awkwardness goes away. I just see this like smiling face sitting across from me, and I'm trying to avoid asking questions like, "Hey, what kind of music do you like?" But okay. may, may, maybe I shouldn't. What kind of music do you like? Oh, it depends on what mood I'm in. Um, yeah. Oh gosh, I actually. Recently, I've been getting back into soul and country um, and a little bit of punk, well, not punk, but like the classic rock, that kind of thing. Just it depends what mood I'm in, I would say. But. Okay, well, this is actually good information about you. So now I'm wondering, does the music drive the mood or does the mood drive the music? Um, I don't know. I think it depends on... The mood drives it. I guess probably the mood, it could be related, but I just have my get up and go songs and that I listen to that I just really want to go with. And then I have, um, you know, when you're having a moment and you just want a really emotional, cathartic experience. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess sometimes if you're just riding that edge between okay and not okay, a song can push you to whichever side of the fence you need to be on in the moment, right? Yeah, it can, totally. Um, I was just thinking back to my first experiences back in the UK. And um, yeah, and there are some words that do tend to get an American into trouble here. <laughs> um, and I had more than one experience with that. So that was kind of funny when I moved here. Okay, I won't put you on the spot because we do have an international audience. I don't want anybody yeah. getting their knickers in a twist. <laughs> okay. so I won't say any of those words but um, that was another funny thing and the other cool bit was um, eating haggis or trying it and some other of the unique cultural things that come from the British Isles so. how successful were you with the haggis I wasn't very successful <laughs> but my general okay, so rule <laughs> I, I've never tasted it in concept, it seems like a food that's based on a dare. Like, would would the overall presentation and flavor tie into that observation? Um, yes, <laughs> unless you're a diehard um, Scott. Although I have Scottish friends, so I'm not going to say anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. What of your um, uh, I don't want to say your culture of birth per se, but what did you bring with you 
to the British experience? Is there anything that just like, okay, I'm adaptable. I'm bold. I'm fierce. I'm willing to like fit in however I can, but this is crystal. And this part of me is not negotiable. Um, I would say it sounds really cheeky, but peanut butter. <laughs> okay. Really how, how is that exactly? It's so superficial, but um, lots of my British friends and family, they don't like peanut butter. Like it's just not something that is, um, it tends to be a very American, North American experience. And I grew up as a kid just having it all the time. And it's just something that I love. And I know it's really superficial, but it's one of those things that when you live outside of your home country for a long time, you miss certain home comforts. And for me, it's yeah. peanut butter and ranch dressing. So. Okay, do you have to have your peanut butter that's your preferred brand and your ranch dressing brought in? I do. And actually, my parents just brought me a whole tub of peanut butter in their suitcase when they came for Christmas. <laughs> which See, is anybody really who's there, you know what, <laughs> though? I, I get it. Because like anybody who's lived outside of their home country for enough time understands that the, the things that you think you're going to miss are not the things that you miss. It's the silly things like for you, it's peanut butter and ranch dressing. The ranch dressing thing I totally get because we used to have friends and family mail us ranch dressing to South America as well. But for me, breakfast cereal was was the other one, because even if you can find a similar brand, it never tastes the same. It's just I'm sorry, but there's certain countries that do certain things and nobody else should try. Yeah. And the other one for me is chocolate. And I know the stereotype is that, you know, British and European chocolate is a lot better. And it probably is because it has low sugar content. But I do miss a good Hershey's bar sometimes in American style chocolate chips. Um, yeah, which there's a couple of places that sell them close to where I live, but um, they're always a special treat. Her Hershey's bars are a bit of a weird one. I never realized all of my years of being Canadian that American Hershey bars and Canadian Hershey bars are different things. Like yep. they do not taste the same. No, so, they don't. Yeah. I don't think you're being like a snob or anything for liking what you like. Um, now, when I spent a bit of time in the UK, I discovered there were some candies and snacks that were just absolutely delightful. Mm. <laughs> that I had a hard time saying goodbye to, even though I was only there for a couple of weeks, one of which is a little bit weird. And I don't know if, if you've developed a taste for it or not, which was Marmite. <laughs> well, the saying with Marmite is you either love it or you hate it. And mm -hmm. I have tried it, but I just can't quite. <laughs> it's like just it. not your thing. No, my one friend recently suggested I try it with Marmite and cheese. Um, and she put it in a sandwich and I tried it, but it just wasn't quite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not quite my. No, you, you, no, you got to have a, a good skiff on some Jacob's cream crackers. <laughs> yeah, I do like, I do like Jacob's crackers. I also love um, some of the flavors of crisps, which are really unique. Like they, um, I think that's probably one of the special parts about the UK that I love. Just, um, yeah, the unique potato chips or crisps. So, how long have you been over there now? I've been here for about six years now. So it's definitely. Are you, are you still learning new things about your your new chosen home? Um, I am at points in time. I am. It's an incredibly beautiful culture and incredibly beautiful place, but um, has a really quirky way of living in a modern way in an ancient land. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. 
Okay, so I, I normally don't like to get too far into what people do for a living, but I think in your case, it really does tie into the personal experience. Now, I don't want to describe what you do wrong. I know that you're, um, you're into coaching. Mm-hmm. You want to like explain a little bit about what your particular brand of coaching looks like? Sure. Um, I launched my coaching business in December of 2020. And my brand, I thought that I would be coaching executives and leaders. And I ended up with um, small and medium-sized business owners. And my brand of coaching is helping them to build online businesses using a system that I've created that helps them to get very strategically clear in five key areas for business and then to use those to set a roadmap and then to practice some implementation along the way. So I guess my brand of coaching is kind of half structure, half client-led, and it's pretty fun. How much do you draw from your personal experiences when you're when you were developing your coaching strategies? Oh, <laughs> incredibly much, actually. Um, most of my clients come from the states, and some from Canada, and some from Australia, and some from the UK. So, um, yeah, I enjoy coaching on the internationally and globally, just because um, I think that's kind of where my experiences are. And also being a global nomad, that's really impacted my business because I'm able to spot patterns and able to build community um, across lots of different barriers. So that's been really powerful. Yes, you're not like speaking from a a place of, I I hate to say book learning. (laughs) (laughs) No. You obviously got some education, but it sounds like you've taken your own personal experience and actually quite effectively woven it into your coaching strategy because you know what it's like being in a new place and unfamiliar surroundings. And to take those experiences and try to help people sort of over the hump, as it were, mm-hmm. and help them to uh, not just cope with the changes, but thrive in the midst of the changes. That's not a small thing. It's actually kind of a big deal. Ah, I never thought of it that way. And I guess that's what makes my brand of business coaching so powerful is because I've done a lot of change and I can help people to communicate that and strategize in a way that is powerful. Okay, so I'm a little distracted by something I'm seeing in the background. What is that tree on the wall behind you? Oh, (laughs) that is part of my family living room. So that is a family tree. And as... um, lots of my family is from abroad that reminds me of them so that's nice you sort of like keep that that little um point of connection right easily at hand yeah totally so are you are you the first person in your family to sort of branch out (laughs) following the tree theme here and and move overseas um actually i was i had a great aunt, I think, who taught English in Turkey a long time ago in the 1950s or 60s, but that was it. So So what does the decision look like? I mean, I I don't imagine you woke up one day and thought, I'm going to move to the UK. (laughs) Or maybe you did, I don't know. Um, No, I didn't. It was, I I moved here um, for family and then I ended up, um, I still have British family. And so, um, yeah, it was a longer term decision and it, it's been fine. It's been good. You are listening to What I Like About You. 
Please remember to like, follow, and share. Okay, I don't want to dwell too much on this whole international thing, though. I, I find it fascinating just because it's like it, it, it's really, really low hanging fruit for me as far as identifying a common ground. But I'm going to switch gears abruptly here. What's something about you that people don't usually notice that you wish they would notice? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I wish that they would notice that I'm multilingual. And I love, this is going to sound really silly, but I love cooking. And um, yeah, I'm actually quite introverted. So You're introverted? Yeah. Okay, so an introverted coach. This seems like an odd mm-hmm. disconnect of concepts. Really? <laughs> well, I mean, your, your entire business seems to be putting yourself out there and helping other people. How yeah. does an introvert do this? An introvert does it because she loves, well, I love connecting with people one-on-one and in small groups. And that's why I I find coaching really powerful. Okay. So it's more of like a controlled social exercise then. Yeah. So I guess I love people, but um, I don't love like large groups of people or big parties or I do sometimes, but just, um, I'd much rather spend a Friday night watching a movie um, with a couple of people than going out to the club. Um, I had been learning to cook scones recently <laughs> on okay. the whole path to, um, yeah, but, and that's something I really enjoy to cook. And I also love cooking Mexican food and some East African food that's called ugali, which is like made out of corn flour, but you need a very special flour for it. So it's kind of fun. Well, in a place as international as the UK, I would imagine these strange ingredients must be like somewhat easy to find though. They are in the big cities. You can find them okay. definitely. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> I I've gone through the process of learning to make scones. I did that years mm-hmm. ago. Scones are a very, very simple thing on the surface. When you start trying to put these things together effectively, they don't always work out exactly the way you want them to. <laughs> Do you find that this like is in any way like a metaphor for life for you? <laughs> that is really deep. <laughs> oh my gosh, I had no idea. Podcast would be like an awkward first date, but it's good. It's really good. Um, so I would say on the scones, yeah, I guess you do have to get it right. because But sometimes if you don't get the batter, if you don't put in enough butter or milk or something, then it can kind of crumble around the edges. And that, um, I guess that's very true for life. You need to make sure that you have a really strong core and really strong foundation. So, What's your foundation? Um, I'd say it's definitely God. So. Yeah. And family. I'm super close to my family, even though we live far apart. So, yeah. Okay. I, I've already got a reasonable idea, I think, of what your version of God looks like, just based on where you studied. Um, but I don't like to assume anything because God means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. When, when you say your foundation is God, who, who is your God? What is that all about? Well, I would say I'm definitely a Christian. Um, okay. What flavor of Christian, I'm not sure anymore, but I'd say I'm definitely a follower of Jesus. Um, and that is my foundation. I, I like the way you put that, like which flavor of Christian. I mean, it's easy to get stuck up in like the denomination labels, but 
I find even within the same denominations, you could talk to like two people that sit beside each other in church every Sunday for 30 years, and they're two totally different types of followers of God or Jesus or, you know, I've always found that a bit fascinating, like how much difference there is within the church. I mean, I'm no, I'm no longer a a Christian, but I was for the majority of my life. I I still find conversations about um, God, what about which version of God people believe in and why to be incredibly fascinating because you learn a lot about a person based on the attributes of God that they're most drawn to. So, I mean, if, if God were like a person that was in the room here with us, what would be the personality trait that you take the most strength from? You know, what, what part of this relationship is the most meaningful with this friend, God? Uh, that's a really powerful question. For me, it's the togetherness aspect, the Emmanuel um, of God with us. And I think that's what appeals to me so much about Jesus is that he is human and divine and that kind of he's very approachable and i have lots of new age friends who are into like manifesting and talking about miracles in the universe and what really appeals to me about jesus is the fact that he is personable and um he's friendly and knows us so in german they have the word um kennen versus wissen for the word to know and i really mm-hmm. i don't know have you heard that distinction before my dad was German. I'm familiar, but why don't you explain for everybody who's listening? Sure. Um, yeah. And so Wissen is more thinking about like to know about someone or to know, like we could maybe know about Abraham Lincoln, whereas Kenan is to know someone very personally on a personal level. And um, I think oftentimes people think of God as somebody that we can know about as someone who's really far away and um, that we can't know personally or conversely who doesn't know us personally on a personal level and that's what attracts me to Jesus is that he does take the time to get to know us on that level but um as you said I'm not sure which box of Christianity I fit into anymore but um yeah that's kind of yeah so you mentioned having new age friends Mm -hmm. do you find that your uh faith I, I don't want to say like your religion because it just religion just seems so limiting but your faith stances your general spirituality does this help you connect more or less with these uh people with different backgrounds in a strange way recently it's been more actually i'm not sure if it's the coaching space online if it um yeah but it seems like that i've been connecting with people who are more spiritual or they would class themselves as spiritual um, in different different walks of that, so it's been interesting. Do any of these conversations kind of like enhance your own personal spirituality? Some of them do, actually. Some of them do. So. Yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting, you know, to to, to hear that because I mean, I, again, this might be because of the brand of Christianity I was raised mm-hmm. with and the kind that I practiced when I was a believer, but it, it wasn't a style of faith that was really very forgiving of other perspectives. Mm. So this idea that you can talk to somebody who's got on the surface, at least a wildly different spiritual background and like take that to strengthen or enhance or 
beautify in some way your your, your personal faith. I think that's really really awesome. Yeah, I think it comes from. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I I think it's just come from my interactions um, in the last decade with people from many different walks of life, and um, I know from Muslim friends I've learned their um, commitment to prayer and their commitment to fasting which are some spiritual practices that I don't do enough, I think. Um, and from my new age friends, I often, I like how open they are to miracles and the miraculous and stuff like that happening today. Whereas I think a lot of Christians, we kind of get stuck in the world of the Bible and forget that things can happen today too. Do you think people are too skeptical these days? Um, <laughs> I think so a little bit, but. Is, is there like, and maybe this is me asking somebody who sort of works in the dark arts of mental health in some way, <laughs> helping people with, with, with coaching and, and whatnot. But do you think that too much skepticism kind of interferes with a person's ability to, to, to function productively? Oh, that's a loaded question. I don't, I think um, it's interesting. I was chatting to my sister about this recently and she's a professor um, at a university and she's very scientific but also very artsy and I think that it's really good to be really super productive to kind of have a bit of both to have a bit of faith and a bit of magic um, and a belief in faith or a belief in something outside of yourself because I think too much skepticism can really destroy your soul um, because it's really hard to um, yeah it's hard to believe I think there's something in us that desires to believe in a wider purpose. So how do you balance the, the magical with the scientific? That's a good question. Um, yeah, I guess I have, I live a very modern life and, um, and function that way, but also leave room open for God as well um, to come in. Okay. All right. Well, yeah, it's, I, I find everything about this conversation so fascinating. I feel like I talk to you like all day long because. Okay, that's fine. I, 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 I keep bumping up against these things where I feel like you and I are so different. But at the same time, it's like when you start explaining yourself, I realize that we like these big differences, they're not that big. I don't even know if they're differences, you know, because I tend to give myself a hard time a lot of the time because I feel like maybe I am too skeptical. Maybe I'm a little bit too unreceptive to the magic in life because of the mm. skepticism. Mm. And I do try to force myself to be a little bit more, um, I don't want to say childish, like in an insulting or condescending way, but just like that, that innocent acceptance of things that don't make sense. That's mm. the part of childish that I'm trying to lean more towards. I feel like pe people like you really inspire me to in embrace this childishness, but like in a grown up way, I don't know if I'm making yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I was thinking about this. I, actually trained in applied linguistics at Trinity Western to help cultures develop alphabets and stuff like that. And um, when you do, like, when you learn about lots of different cultures and do some anthropology and things, you realize that throughout human history, we've always had this desire for something outside of ourselves. 
um, whether you call it God, whether you call it connecting with the universe. Um, and I think that's where things like art and music and stuff like that come from. Because if you think about it, um, you know, we even made human art in the worst human condition. And um, in the concentration camps, there was an orchestra and art that happened. And so I think it's something within us that even if you don't believe in God, to embrace that side of our humanity is really healthy. But again, you need to kind of balance that with um, your normal life and what you need to get done as well. No, it's actually kind of like a, a a fascinating take that you just had when you mentioned art and music. I mean, there is so much, like, especially when you get into to, to music, there's so much math, which is just hard, unavoidable science that's that's wrapped up in in music. But at the same time, it really is quite a magical thing that is, it's difficult to pin down what exactly the heart of it is. You can't boil this down to a mathematical equation, but you can't take the math out of it either. I think that's a perfect example of, I think, the kind of balance that you and I are both striving towards from seemingly different ends of the spectrum. You, you really gave me something to think about. I don't know why this one thing oh. is like sticking out so much, but this is going to stick with me for a couple of weeks, probably. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, um, cool. And I guess that is what I enjoy about coaching is I find it as a both an art and a science. And especially in business growth, you're looking at the systems and the KPIs and stuff like that. But you're also looking at the art of the business and the purpose and the passion of the organization. And I think um, that's probably why I'm driven or drawn to purpose-driven um, clients as well. So they're businesses, but they also have some kind of wider message to share with the world. Thank you for listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share. Okay, so we're coming towards the end of our, our time here together. And I, I do want to give you a bit of time to sort of give your proper pitch for your coaching business. Okay. But what I like to do before we get to that point in the conversation is, um, like, like the title of the show suggests, What I Like About You. I, I want to spend a little bit of time just dwelling on what it is that I do like about you, because I did come into this conversation with a couple of preconceptions, not a lot, because I knew next to nothing about you. But I, I find every single one of these conversations I have, my preconceptions end up just getting like thrown right out the window. I don't even know why I bother having these stupid preconceptions because yeah. <laughs> I'm just wrong every single time. I, I just wanted to double check like what your last name was. I mean, that's how this whole thing started. I tried to know as little as possible. So I'd like, I had your email address. I Googled yeah. that. I found the bio page for your website and it's like, okay, it's crystal Gregory. I wanted to make sure that I knew at least that much in case it came up. I don't want to be totally uninformed. <laughs> While I was looking at your website, I saw that you were educated at Trinity Western university. And like I said before, like I used to be a Christian, I'm not anymore. A lot of the time I do find like, there's a tendency for me to want to like start debating with people who are Christian and like really turn the, the, the whole faith thing into a point of conflict, which is silly. And mm -hmm. I don't think I'm arguing with the people so much as I'm arguing with my past self. Mm -hmm. And I was expecting on some level that because you were educated in a like quote unquote Christian university, that there might've been like sort of 
something about you that I just really wouldn't like, but I found that that one part of you that I expected to find the, the most offensive ended up being like one of the most endearing things about you because your approach to faith is just, I, I, I don't want to minimize it by saying it's casual, but it's, it's natural. Hmm. It's a beautiful thing to observe. And I don't feel like you're weaponizing your faith. I feel like you're, you're, you're um, unashamed of it. It's a source of strength for you. But you don't expect me to like share that source of, source of strength. You're not going to beat me over the head with it. And I think that's admirable. And it just your, your general perspective. I mean, you just, you're so nice. <laughs> I just, I don't know why I wasn't expecting you to be so nice, oh, but I just, okay. it's not just that I got these things that I really like about you. I just, I, I feel like I like you. Is that okay to say out loud? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I guess. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't really sure what to expect in this conversation. So yeah, thank you. <laughs> okay, so your company is called CEG Coaching? Yep, it is. Okay, if somebody wants to find you, if they want to know what you're all about, like what can you tell us about CEG Coaching? Um, sure, it launched in December of 2020, and I launched... Um, with my friend's old iPhone and a broken laptop. <laughs> and then I got one client, which led to 15, more than 15 in a year. And it was an amazing journey, really, really cool. And um, I ended up working with 15 businesses to help um, them to grow um, using really boring things, but fun things like SOPs and processes and workflows and stuff um, to get to the next level, but also having the right structure in place. And so people can find me at cegcoaching.com and my other website is profitablepurposes.com. So. Okay. And of course, we'll make sure that I include links in this week's show notes. Crystal Gregory, thank you so much for spending a bit of time with me today. And I hope anybody who's listened to this conversation will learn that it's okay to ask questions, even if the questions don't seem very well formed sometimes. It's okay to be awkward with each other because that's how we get to know each other. Yep. Even across an ocean. And exactly. Yeah, thank, you. <laughs> thank you so much for the time as well. Thanks. Thank you, Crystal.